Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. Uh, We are going to be in Luke chapter 19 in this session, and we are approaching Passion Week. We are just one session away from entering into uh, the last week of the Lord Jesus, which begins with his triumphal entry. Jesus now, he is on his way to Jerusalem. He's passing through uh, several areas uh, on his way uh, south uh, to uh, his last week before his trial, arrest, and his crucifixion. But on the way, uh, he does many, many wonderful things. And we're going to be reading now in Luke chapter 19 and verse 1, but we want to go ahead and pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, we need uh, the Holy Spirit uh, to bring revelation to us, help us to see just a little more deeply uh, the life of the Lord Jesus, His cause, and what we can take away from what the Scripture says about the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, we need you to help us. Amen. Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear. And we'll give you praise and honor and glory for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, we are in Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. And this is the story of Zacchaeus. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans or the tax collectors, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house." Now, how did Jesus know that was Zacchaeus? He had never met him before. Well, that's the Lord Jesus for you. Praise God. Amen. Verse six. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. Isn't that amazing? Verse eight. Isn't it easy how people judge others? But Jesus doesn't judge people. Amen. Jesus, and we're going to find out here why Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house. Now, here he is. All right. He's a guest. He's eating. And notice verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood. Now, he stood up before everyone that was in the house and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. So here's Zacchaeus. He's repenting. He's bearing his heart to the Lord Jesus. Amen. And notice what Jesus says. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. So Zacchaeus was a son of Abraham. He was uh, circumcised. He became part of the covenant of Abraham. Uh, and he had drifted. Uh, he began to work for Israel's enemies, which uh, Jesus didn't count that against him, but the Jews certainly did. And notice that when Zacchaeus stood up and repented and bare his heart to the Lord, 
The Lord said to him, this day of salvation come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. But notice verse 10, for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. So even though Zacchaeus was circumcised, he was a son of Abraham. Jesus would not have called him a son of Abraham if Zacchaeus had not been circumcised. Okay. But notice Zacchaeus still needed to be reconciled to God. And of course, through repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus, that's exactly what happened. And Jesus recognized that and uh, said to him, this day of salvation come to this house. But now here's verse 10, something that you and I, this is part of our great commission. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is the church's primary mission. Amen. And the greatest witnessing tool that you and I have is a changed life through Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And so now in verse 11, we come to the parable of the pounds. And this is going to be the main part of our study today. Verse 11 says, as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. So based upon what had just taken place with Zacchaeus and because Jesus knew that he knew that the popular Jewish teaching was that the Messiah would come. And when he comes immediately, he's going to change everything. And he's going to throw off Israel's enemies. He's going to restore Israel to its former glory. But now Jesus wants them to know that uh, even though he is Messiah, that he is not immediately going to restore Israel to her glory. Now, he is going to do that. I mean, Old Testament tells us that. But now about the parable of the pounds, many think that this parable and the Matthew's parable of the talents is one and the same, but this is not correct. Uh, these two parables are similar to one another, but there are differences. And I hope, you know, you'll go back to uh, Matthew chapter 25 and you'll read uh, Matthew's account of the parable of the talents. And as we study this, uh, the parable of the pounds, you'll see that there is a difference. All right. Verse 11 again. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was not to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. That was in the thinking of the apostles. I mean, the disciples and of those who were following Jesus. So here's Jesus. He's sitting in the home of Zacchaeus and uh, he heard the confession of this tax collector and uh, the people around him heard the Lord's response. So now Jesus takes the opportunity to speak uh, to this group of people concerning his lordship and of the end times. Uh, and the Jews were taught, they were taught through the centuries that when the Messiah come, he would immediately de deliver Israel from her enemies. Uh, Jesus is going to dispel that notion. Now think about that. Centuries of teaching, erroneous teaching, Jesus, amen, has got to set the record straight. And so what this tells me is that it is so important that we study the scriptures and don't solely rely on commentary or what others say or think about the scriptures. We've got to find that out for ourselves. That's the only way we're going to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so Jesus begins this parable, verse 12. And he said, therefore, 
A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom. Well, now, who is this certain nobleman? Well, Jesus uh, is referring to himself. Amen. Notice it says to receive for himself a kingdom. Jesus is going to receive for himself a kingdom, and that's going to happen in just a few days. Amen. Through his death, burial, and his resurrection. He's being raised in power. Amen. He's going to be put to death in the flesh, but he will be justified in the spirit. And what that means is that uh, Jesus' death on the cross, God the Father is going to accept that sacrifice in full payment and pardon for your sin and for my sin. And to prove that, he's going to justify the work of Jesus on the cross by raising him from the dead. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. And of course, you know, we see the perfect identification with Jesus Christ. Amen. When Jesus died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. And when he was raised from the dead, we were raised from the dead. Amen. That's called the great exchange. Jesus uh, was made sin for us who knew no sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. Now, in Hebrews chapter one, notice what Paul writes about the Lord Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high being made so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven, of things on earth, and of things under the earth. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, verse 13, and he called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds. All right. So each servant gets one pound. And said unto them, Occupy until I come. Now, it's interesting, the number 10. Notice the 10 servants. The number 10 is a perfect number. And it speaks to us of God's divine order. So we're, we're looking at something here that Jesus is relaying to us, a truth he's relaying to us, but it concerns God's divine order of things. Amen. And, of course, the parable of the pounds Amen. We see Jesus speaking about uh, his return, his delayed return, but also he's speaking to us about the end times. OK. And of course, we know that the number 10 is speaks to us of God's divine order because of its use throughout the Old Testament. You know, the Ten Commandments, the Ten Plagues of Egypt, uh, the Ten Virgins in uh, the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, but notice now that the ten servants, each one received one pound. Now, what does this mean? Well, we don't know exactly what the pound represents, but we do know that it does represent a gift as a means which the servants were to use to bring increase to their Lord's kingdom. Now, the pound in this parable is equal to the talent in Matthew's gospel. And it is that which the Lord gives to each of his servants. Think about you and me now. Uh, when we were born again, we were given gifts, a gift or gifts. And the Lord expects us to put our gift or gifts to use to increase the kingdom of God. And of course, what uh, the Lord Jesus gives to his servants is a means by which 
They are to produce an increase in the kingdom of God. Amen. And the Lord expects us to use this gift. Our reward or rewards in heaven are based upon it. And of course, this parable here speaks to us more about faithfulness than it does just going out and working and coming in. Obedience, obeying the command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the Lord expects us to use the gift or the gifts that he has bestowed upon us. Amen. And of course, those gifts are found in Romans chapter 12, verses three through eight. We'll not take the time to read that, but you can go back and read it yourself. But notice something else the Lord said. He said, occupy until I come. And the word occupy, it means to carry on a business. It means to be occupied in anything. So when Jesus is saying, occupy till I come, what he's talking about, he's talking about taking the gift or the gifts, in this case, the pound, each servant's a pound, and to take that pound, and to use it to carry on a business. In other words, the business of the kingdom of God. And this is exactly what the apostles did. And this is what the disciples do today. Think about the apostles. I mean, they took the gospel to the four corners of the Roman Empire. And they did it within a generation. And so disciples today, we in our generation, we do the same thing. We carry the gospel to the four corners of the world. Now, most of us are never going to go to a foreign country as a missionary. We're never going to go to a foreign country to, to minister or to visit. But we can certainly do home missions. As one minister said, we start in our backyard and dig our, our way to China. Amen. Praise God. There's plenty of sinners and our community that need to be ministered to, ministered to with love and to be shown. Now, think about going back and think about Jesus and Zacchaeus. I mean, Zacchaeus was an outcast. He was somebody that the Jews would have nothing to do. He was hated and despised. The only friends he had were fellow tax collectors. But Jesus consented to go to this man's house. He invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. Isn't that amazing? See, so Jesus looked past his fault and he saw his need. Now, verse 14 says, but his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Who's he speaking about? Well, he's speaking to the Jews, the Jews who rejected Jesus as their Lord and as their Messiah. But notice in the end times, it also is speaking to all the Gentiles uh, of today. And of tomorrow that revile the name of Jesus and that will not have Jesus reign over him. And it's incredible. Speaking of the end times now, it's incredible to me how men reject Christ out of hand. They will not have him rule over them. But during the great tribulation, they'll willingly take the mark and follow the Antichrist. And he will lead them like the Pied Piper of Hamlin. They will lead him. He will lead these people right into the lake of fire. Notice what John says in, in Revelation chapter 13. And I saw one of his heads as it had been slain and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. And they worshiped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast who is able to wage war with him? 
And so they willingly follow. And the reason they willingly follow him is because God has sent them strong delusion because of their rebellion and because of their unbelief. Now, verse 15. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom. Now, where does that place us in end time prophecy? Well, that places us after the second coming of Christ, when he has put down the Antichrist and the armies. Now he's received his kingdom and that's earth. Then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to, to, to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Now, that is speaking uh, to us. Amen. Who are called to labor in God's vineyard in order to produce a harvest. Now, these 10 servants, they were each given a pound. The the uh, the Lord has gone away for a long time and now he's come back. He's returned. He's received his kingdom. Amen. And now he's calling all of these servants uh, to a reckoning. Amen. And this is very important. Then came the first. This is verse 16 saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained 10 pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in very little, have thou authority over ten cities. Notice that. He gained ten pounds. He was given authority over ten cities. This is speaking of the during the millennium. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said, Likewise to him, be thou also over five cities. So whatever they gained, that is what they received. Amen. In authority in the millennial kingdom. So these two servants gained and they increased that one pound. Now, verse 20. And another came saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that you lay not down and reap where you do not sow. Now, let me say this, that that reminds us of the parable of the talents. Now, it's not Matthew and Luke recording the same instance. It's Matthew recording an instance and then uh, Luke recording another instance. And that's uh, it's understandable because Jesus could use the same type parable and just frame it to a specific type of people, to a specific type of use. And remember, now Jesus is speaking to the disciples to let them know, amen, that what they've been taught concerning the Messiah and the coming of the Messiah was not correct. And he's straightening out their thinking. He, in other words, he's straight, straightening out their theology. And he saith unto him, out of thy own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down and reaping that I did not sow. Now, I want you to liken this to Jesus sitting in judgment. He is a perfect judge. He will always judge and do what's right. Amen. He's not going to let you or me get by with anything. Amen. It's all going to be laid out on the table when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. But because we have trusted in him for salvation and because we are born again, we're not going to be judged whether or not we're going to go to heaven. We're going to be judged whether or not we're going to receive reward. Amen. And we'll see this in just a moment. Verse 23. Wherefore, then, why did you not give your money into the bank? Give my money, rather. Give my money into the bank that at my coming I might have required my own with usury. You should have done something with that talent that I gave you. Like so many people in the church, they think that their ministry is just sitting in a pew. That's not true. 
You are called to work in the vineyard while it is day, because the night is coming when no one can work. Amen. You've been every believer has been given a gift, at least one gift. And that gift is to be used for increasing the kingdom. Think about Sunday school teachers. God may be calling you to be a Sunday school teacher. But you don't want to do it. Well, you're going to have to surrender. You're going to have to submit to the Lord's will and get involved in Sunday school. Well, I don't know how to teach. Well, you can you can learn how to teach. If God has called you to be a Sunday school teacher, then he will equip you to teach Sunday school. You just have to pray, trust in him and then do your due diligence to learn how to be the best Sunday school teacher that you can possibly be. Amen. We are to work, but we're to work with all our might. Amen. We're to do everything that we can, not so that we can receive praise from men, but that we can do the greatest benefit for the kingdom of God. So here we have the one servant who buried the Lord's money, but he was not excused. He was rebuked for taking the Lord's money, but not using it to increase the kingdom. Amen. But I want you to remember this. This is not our kingdom. The kingdom that we have entered into is not our kingdom. It's the Lord's kingdom. And we have been called to work in and for his kingdom. And we are called to produce increase. And we will use and we will produce increase because the Lord is our helper. He's the one that we partner with him in the things of God. Amen. So that's where our reward and that's where our position in the coming kingdom is going to lie. Now, I want you to notice this. Notice what Mark says in uh, chapter 10, verse 29. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, this is Peter's question. Lord, we've left all and followed you. What are we going to, what is our reward, in other words? And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say to you, there is no man that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold, many times more now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands and persecutions with persecutions. Notice that with persecutions. The devil's not going to like you prospering. Amen. And if you're winning souls in Sunday school class, if you're having a, a marked difference, if you're making a marked difference in your community, amen, that's increase. And notice what Jesus says, and in the world to come, eternal life. But then he says, but many that are first shall be last and the last first. Now, Matthew's record, chapter 19, then answered Peter and said unto him, behold, we have forsaken all and followed you. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, verily I say to you that ye which have followed me and the regeneration, talking about the millennium now, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, you also shall sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Amen. Jesus said, this is what your reward is. And everyone that has forsaken houses or brethren, sisters, father, mother, wife, or children, or lands for my sake, he shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life, but many that are first shall be last and the last first. Amen. So that's talking about reward. And he said unto them that stood by, take from him the 10 pounds and give it to him that has 10 pounds. Take from him the pound and give it to him that hath the 10 pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he has 10 pounds. For I say unto you, 
that every one which has shall be given, and from him that has not, even that which he has shall be taken away, speaking of reward. Amen. When we pass through the fire, wood and hay and stubble is all going to get burned up. But whatever is gold and silver, precious jewels, it's going to survive the fire. It's going to be purified. But you and I will go through the fire and we'll be saved by that fire. In other words, we will be on the other side of the fire of God. We will be ready for the kingdom of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And that is so true today. And that is so absolutely uh, pertinent for us to understand that, uh, you know, our evil works are going to our bad works are going to get burned up. And whatever is not of the Holy Spirit, what God has not directed to us to do, amen, all that is wood, hay, and stubble. God's not going to bless something that he has not authored. But that which we have of God, amen, we develop it, we use that gift for the betterment of the kingdom, we cause increase, amen. Just think about that. Just think about the blessing in store for us. Just through obedience and doing that which God has called us to do. But now look at verse 27. Going back to the citizenry that hated the Lord. But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. And of course, we have end time prophecy to tell us that at the tribulation period, two thirds of the Jewish race are going to be killed. Only one third are going to survive. And many of the nations that uh, God is going to judge at the end time, many of them are going to be cast into everlasting punishment. So we're talking about a lot of people. We're talking about a multitude. And when we talk about the church in relation to the, the, uh, all the inhabitants of the world, the church is that remnant that is going to be saved. Amen. Now, verse 28 says, and when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. Now, I want to read some passages of scripture uh, found in the gospel of John, and then we'll end right here. John eleven fifty five through 12, 11. And the Jews Passover was nigh at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Now, we're talking about the same Passover right during Passion Week. And then sought they Jesus and spake among themselves as they stood in the temple. What think ye? Will he not come to the feast? Now, both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he was, he should show it that they might take him. Then six days before the Passover came Jesus to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom the Lord had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper and Jesus served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then Mary... Uh, took, then took Mary a pound of ointment and of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Now you see how God is working, how the Lord Jesus is working. He's working his way towards the cross. But at the same time, the devil is working, having put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray the Lord. All this is working. It's all God's purpose. God is not forcing Judas to do what he did. Let me let's understand that right now. Judas, amen, did this of his own will. God did not force him to do it. 
As a matter of fact, Jesus gave Judas, and we'll find this out at the Last Supper, Jesus gave Judas opportunity to repent, but he wouldn't do it. All right, verse 5 again. Was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear that was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my bearing has she kept this. For the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. And much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there and they came not for Jesus sake only talking about Lazarus but that they might see Lazarus also whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Isn't that a tragedy? That's a real tragedy. And every one of these that plotted to murder Jesus, they're in hell today. Even though they were Jews, unbelieving Jews, they're in hell today. Amen. They could have received their Messiah and they could have received life, but they chose otherwise. Heavenly Father, we bless you today. We ask that the Word of God just uh, penetrate our heart today. Help us to be good and faithful witnesses of your presence, Lord, and of your coming again. And we give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.